Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is the holiday season, so make sure Leon Tailoring is on your gift list. That's right, get somebody a nice suit, jacket, shirt, tie, skirt, blouse, coat, or perhaps get them a Leon Tailored gift certificate. That way they can go pick out the actual clothes that they want. Hey, like I said, this is the season, the season to give Leon Tailoring. It's a perfect gift. Actually, you can kind of give all year round, but we're happy to have you at Christmas time or any other time of year. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, and downtown Indianapolis. Well, we'll continue our conversation with candidates for various offices here in the state of Indiana and join us in studio today is no stranger to this program, Eric Doden, former Secretary of Commerce and now candidate for governor. So, Eric, my friend, how's it going? Good, Abdul. How are you doing? Doing good. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah, all that fun stuff. All <laughs> you too. You too. Come together. Uh, so, how's the campaign going? It's going great. You know, it's it's been really good to be around the state of Indiana and meet with you know, I've been on the road two and a half years, Abdul, and it's been just phenomenal to meet with thousands of leaders across the state and hear their concerns and, you know, what they'd like to see uh, going forward and very excited about the future of Indiana. Uh, what are their concerns? What are you hearing? What are they telling you? Well, I think people are very excited about uh, Indiana Main Street Initiative that we proposed. Uh, we have two and a half million people that live in small towns, and I think there's this real sense of the restoration of small towns across our state and what that could do for our, our entire state and, and then regional cities. I think they're very excited about uh, what's happened in, up in Fort Wayne, where we just got ranked the 33rd best place to live in the country, and they want to see that happen in Muncie, Marion, Anderson, Terre Haute, Richmond, and communities like this. So there's just a lot of excitement out there right now uh, in Indiana about our future and what could happen. Uh, I noticed uh, in your campaign, uh, particular commercials focus a lot on rural Indiana folks in those smaller, smaller towns. Um, is that uh, where you're hoping to sort of you know, win your victory and sort of the, while the other candidates sort of compete for me like the bigger, quote-unquote, urban places, you sort of, sort of try to uh, capitalize on that small-town market? Well, I, I think our message is appealing to all markets. Um, in, in fact, if you really go to Indianapolis, uh, they're very – um, very excited about the small town initiative because most of us that live in our larger communities came from small towns. So it's been amazing how many people, even in the Indianapolis metro, have been excited about you know the small the, the small town initiative, uh, Indiana Main Street because they grew up in places like Richmond or you know Paoli or, or different places around the state of Indiana. But they're also excited about our capital zone and, and our vision for Indianapolis. And we all know that Indianapolis needs to be a world class city. Uh, and so we're exci- they're excited about that as well. Uh, one of the things uh, that's always been talked about uh, in the governor's race is, of course, economic development and sort of how we sort of do it. Uh, what is the Eric Doden, as a former Secretary of Commerce, head of the Economic Development Commission, your plan for economic development here in Indiana? Yeah, I think um, our plan is a 9-2 county strategy. You know, we, we know that we cannot be successful if four or five counties uh, are, are, are the only counties that are having success economically. Uh, and that's why it's important for us to have a 92 county strategy that restores communities and, and brings vibrancy and population growth back. Uh, we always talk about the importance of a 1% growth rate across the state uh, and attracting and retaining talent. And a lot of that is attracting and retaining our kids and grandkids. Um, and so ahead, that's, that's, that's part of, that should be a key part of our strategy. Uh, when you talk about uh, sort of retaining that talent, uh, sort of the the other thing used to be, you know, you built a road, you built a bridge, you you, you did the, did proper zoning, gave the proper tax incentives, then the businesses came, and then people would follow along. Now it seems the opposite. People decide where they want to live, and then businesses tend to follow them. So I guess the question is, uh, from the sort of quality of life perspective, which you can't necessarily put a tax cut on, per se, how, do, how does Eric Doden, you know, increase Indiana's quality of life so you get those younger people who move here, and then the jobs follow them? Yeah, so I believe this, uh, Abdul, that, you know, that a vision for a community has to come from local leaders. 
Uh, and when they have that vision, we as state leaders have to be a good partner to them. So what we, we've done is we've we've shown what we've done in places like uh, Fort Wayne and Van Wert, Ohio, and we've given a model. And now we're um, working with local leaders to come up with a vision of quality of life for their community. Um, a lot of that is restoring historic main streets. And so there's historic buildings all over um, these these communities that they want to restore and we just need to be a good partner with them and make sure that they can grow talent and population and have success going forward our guest in the program today is eric doden one of the candidates for governor as we continue our conversation with the various candidates for governor here in the state of indiana uh, eric uh, another thing too uh, that's been out there is sort of workforce development uh, well we can all agree that not everybody needs a, a high school a, a, a college degree to be successful uh, in the 21st century, unless you are a rap star or a basketball player or, or a professional athlete, you need some sort of post-secondary education. Indiana has been very lagging in sort of that post-secondary mark. Uh, what does the Doden plan to sort of get Hoosiers uh, up to speed? Well, there are some very unique things that we've seen out there. Uh, Tom Kelly, uh, for example, has worked with leaders uh, to create the Jim Kelly uh, School, and, and, and it allows uh, kids to go in and practice, um, you know, virtually using virtual um virtual tools to practice you know things you know different different things like moving machinery and equipment or 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 um you know other other type things that they can experiment with and get to know so those are the kind of things that i think open kids minds up to the different opportunities whether it's trades um welding or you know all these different jobs that are highways jobs that that they need so i think it's going to be a partnership between again local leaders educators um, this is part of our teacher investment program that we've proposed, you know, making sure that we have, you know, we have a teacher crisis across the state, making sure that we have enough teachers to teach our kids. Uh, this is the future of our economy, and it's going to be a very important part of our strategy. Uh, it's interesting to bring it up because uh, obviously uh, one of the big things that lawmakers will be doing next session is in with sort of third grade reading proficiency. We all know this has if a kid can't read in third grade, he's going to have trouble later on. We can also predict our prison population down the road. By how many third graders can't necessarily read? Uh, one of the, one of the thoughts is holding back uh, third graders, or, or at least limiting some of those exceptions for kids who can't necessarily master the third grade. Any sort of thoughts on that, or or what's uh, Eric Doden's plan to help increase third grade uh, reading proficiency? Yeah, so we we've actually proposed uh, early childhood education. We have some money coming due in, or coming available in our budget. Uh, we think that's going to be important. We know that reading is an important part of the future of a child. Uh, there's some great uh, programs that Marion University has been developing that I've been talking with them about. And uh, so we're going to just, again, continue to bring people together uh, and, and do the best that we can to partner with people to, to increase their proficiency in reading and make sure they have a successful future. Uh, some of the education advocates are saying that uh, this is basically a matter of uh, two things. And one, schools don't have enough money to do the job properly. Number two, uh, the fact that they're uh, by doing this and holding students back, you'll just increase class sizes, you knowing that third grade level, which will make life even more difficult for teachers. Well, I, I've heard from superintendents and teachers, um, they're doing some really creative things. And instead of just uh, like, for example, in Fort Wayne, uh, superintendent there is, is doing a really creative program where they're, they're, they're teaching kids at their proficiency level rather than just by grade. And so we see some really creative things out there right now that are working and that the teachers are excited about, the students are excited about. And, and instead of, for example, instead of them just being passed from fifth to sixth grade, they're in a cohort of kids that that are at their proficiency so that the teacher has more of the ability to teach them. And, and so I, I think we're just going to continue to see those kind of creative solutions. Do schools need more money? Well, I, you know, I think money is never the solution. 
you know, everyone says we need more money, we need more money. Uh, and, and, and sometimes what you just need is more creativity and more innovation. And so um, there's always going to be a desire to have more money. But I think we have to really focus on innovation and, and uh, ideas. Our guest on the program today is Eric Doden. Eric, a candidate for governor here in the state of Indiana, running the Republican primary against a number of other uh, candidates. My running joke is anybody in the room not running for governor, take a step forward. How about we, how about we start <laughs> and, and do it that way? Uh, uh, if you're the head of economic development uh, here in the state of Indiana, let's talk about the LEAP District, because that's sure. obviously on a, a lot of folks' minds. Um, what is your thoughts on the, on the LEAP District? And we'll get to the water issue in just a second. <laughs> Well, look, I've been very clear on this, Abdul. I don't think that uh, the IEDC or the state of Indiana should be in the business of being a developer or buying property. Uh, and I certainly, uh, you know, we're talking about billions of dollars, you know, that, that we're putting at risk here. And there's an opportunity cost as well when we really need to have a 92 county strategy. And, and that's what we're proposing. This sort of chasing, you know, large projects alone is, is not a strategy that works, you know, long term. What we need to have is is a strategy where all 92 counties can grow population, be successful, uh, and and uh, so these are the kind of things that concern me about the Leap District. It's not just the amount of you know the fact that the IDC is acting as a developer, but it's the amount of money that it was going to cost to get water there, the amount of money to get utilities there. We're talking billions of dollars, and and I just don't think that's prudent. What are your thoughts on the, uh, the water issue and the whole Tippy Canoe Boone County? Wabash River, heck, even um, Terre Haute was complaining about uh, the the sort of uh, water water mining, for lack of a better term, though the Wabash River. Well, look, I think what I've said and, and, and what I've heard from people is the lack of transparency. Uh, I think there's deep concerns about taking resources from smaller communities uh, to larger communities. I do believe that we need to solve the water issue, but I think it has to be a very transparent process. There's a lot of different ideas out there uh, that I think we have to look at and, and try to find the most cost-effective way to do it. Uh, but I, but I um, really do not believe it's appropriate for us to take resources from smaller communities uh, and, and, and then put their economic development at risk in the process. Who owns the Wabash River? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's always been my that's question. A great question. <laughs> it's like, okay, who owns this damn thing? Is it the state of Indiana owns it, or is the local governments that own it? Is it like a six a six foot rule, like in Jaws, or swim past the boy that you don't own anymore? Who who owns that? Or or, or I guess I guess in a, a more straightforward question is, if you look at coal, you know, certain parts of Indiana are very coal heavy. Obviously, the coal is shipped transferred to other parts of the state and outside the country. So, I guess my question is, who owns? How, how do you how do you maintain that? Seeing how it is a sort of a state natural resource. Well, that's how I view it. It's a state natural resource, but at the same time, uh, it's a resource that you know is a benefit to the community. And so, there's this balance. And I think some of that is defined by statute. Who owns it? Uh, and I think that's going to be reviewed. I mean, we're already starting to hear legislators reviewing. Uh, what what who you know what is property rights and who does own the water and who can take water and what's the process? But I think when you're talking about government and the state of Indiana and taxpayer money, I think we have to be very careful uh, how we transfer and how we use resources and how we take resources from one region to another. Eric Doden with us for a few more minutes on the program today as we're talking about sort of issues facing the state of Indiana. Uh, what else is out there uh, that you're that you're hearing or? What issues out there that you didn't know was an issue or like, wow, you know what, I never really thought of it or thought of an issue, sort of address an issue in that, that way. So talk about sort of using that you know, creativity to solve Indiana's issues. Well, I think one of the things that we've seen a lot of energy around is our zero cost adoption policy. Um, you know, I'm ardently pro-life. Uh, I think it's a human rights issue. Uh, and, and we can do more. Uh, we can be pro-mother, pro-child and pro-family uh, by providing um, the 13,000 kids in foster care an opportunity to be a part of a loving home 
And there's a lot of excitement around this idea of not only helping adoption be more affordable, but the aftercare, uh, the expensive aftercare that can come up. Um, it just allows adoption to be more available to people uh, regardless of their income level. And we just think that's a really unique opportunity uh, that we can lead the nation on this, on this issue and have been. Any word concerned about uh, the abortion issue popping up? Obviously, uh, it was an issue in Ohio when they had a referendum. Uh, Andy Bashir won in part because of the abortion issue. Uh, we had the issue down in Texas where the woman had to leave because her life, was health was in danger. Uh, how do you think that's going to play out in 2024? Well, I, I think you just have to be authentic to who you are and what you believe. I'm, I'm not going to convince you know, someone to become, you know, pro-life and, and they, you know, I'm pro-life. And so they're not convinced me to become pro-choice. I think what we have to do is find things like zero cost adoption where we can agree on. And, and that's part of, you know, how you move forward. Um, you know, this is, this is an issue where people are generally on one camp or the other. Uh, and so I think we need to find policies where we can find agreement and then make sure we, you know, we take care of our kids and get them in loving homes. Eric Dillon with us for a few minutes on the program today. Uh, obviously, like I said, it's, it's you running for governor. It's Mike Braun. It's Brad Chambers. It's Sam Crouch. It's Curtis Hill. And there's like one other person from like Madison County. I think I can't remember who they who, Like I said, anybody not running for governor, take a take a step forward. Uh, what is the difference between you and your other uh, and the other? Uh, I won't I won't say challenge. I'll say competitors in this governor's race. Well, I, you know, I think um, you know we put our plans in writing. Uh, I think it's it's about a vision and a strategy and a plan that we have for the people of Indiana. Um, you know, we're not running on name ID or you know uh, you know ax the tax. You know, th- there's some things out there that that we we all agree. For example, on the tax issue, that we want to have the most efficient and effective tax you know tax program possible. But you can't just cut 40 percent you know of the budget without a replacement tax or some you know sharing. Like, how are you going to cut 40 percent out of our state budget? Uh, which would re- require, you know, reducing money for education, a bunch of other things. So um, I think that, you know, we're going to work very closely with the General Assembly on our tax policy and try to make sure that if we can eliminate income tax, we have a proper replacement tax. Uh, but these are the kinds of things that th- that we hear out there and that we're excited about and, and differentiate me from my competition. And then also, you know, this sort of idea that we can just do large projects and 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 and, and that's going to be the future of Indi- of Indiana. I don't think it's appropriate for government to try to centralize plan the economy. I think what we do is we partner with local leaders to make sure that we have vibrant communities, we grow population, and all of our business growth is through small and medium-sized businesses. And, and, and we, that's where the magic happens, and that's what we want to see happen is people come start businesses and grow them. Um, uh, when you look at uh, sort of the race right now, uh, there's been a whole lot of public polling. From from what I've been able to gather, Mike Braun is like technically ahead, like 35, 41 percentage. But then again, it's no one's really paying attention right now because people are worried about Chris's presence. Um, how do you uh, run against Mike Braun and his name ID? So now technically he would have the most because he's a sitting U.S. senator. Yeah, well, we just see our name ID continuing to increase. We've been uh, running ads and traveling the state of Indiana. Uh, we are, we'll be in 18 counties in the next uh, 10 days. Uh, and so we just are meeting with a lot of people. There's a lot of grassroots uh, effort and energy here after two and a half years on the road. And we see our polling numbers rising uh, very, very quickly. And so we feel very confident that over time, as our message gets out, uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of people that, that, that will be attracted to our vision. Uh, one of the big things that's in this race that has been talked about a lot lately, but I notice it, is Indiana picks as governor, gubernatorial candidates in a primary, but picks as lieutenant governor candidates in a in a delegate caucus. Um, right now, you could have possibly two challengers in the in the race for lieutenant governor, maybe three. Uh, 
is it time to maybe sort of reconcile that so at the very least you get a candidate uh, because you may have a, a governor candidate who's one philosophy but a lieutenant governor with a different philosophy is it time to sort of uh, equalize that or will you name your lieutenant governor before the primary like hey here's my team here's who we're going to run with us if we are fortunate to win the nomination yeah at, at this point i'm comfortable with whatever the system is you know we, we're here to run our race to share our vision and to, and to see what the, the people decide on may 7th for this race and then, and then we, you know, if we have the privilege of winning and serving, we will then turn to this process, and and we may have our own candidate that we that we give to the delegates. But um, at this point, you know, I'm just going to deal with the system as it is. Uh, if they decide to change it, then then we'll go from there. But I feel very comfortable that we're going to have a good race now. Um, a lot of energy around the ideas, and this is the first contested primary in the Republican Party in 20 years. So I think it's good for us to have a debate, and it's going to be healthy. Uh, two final questions for you. Uh, number one, a lot of people have criticized you, Brad Chambers, and uh, to a lesser degree, Mike Braun, being rich guys, trying, basically trying to buy the office. They're independently wealthy. How do, how do you respond? Well, we, we, if you look at our report, and it's public information, we've had a lot of donors, uh, both large and small. That this, this sort of notion that we're trying to buy the race is, 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 is simply not accurate. We, we, we are selling our story. And, but I also will say, man, it takes a lot of resources to get your message out. So we're very grateful for all the people who – have already donated and will continue to donate, and um, we're, we're excited about that part of the process. Now, final question for you. Where is Eric Doden on legal marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask. If, if I don't ask this question, people you think there's something wrong. You throw me the curveball at the end of the I mean, something wrong. It was going so smoothly. <laughs> no, so, uh, look, I, I, I've, I've been very clear that from my perspective, uh, you know, I do not think that that's a good idea. Um, you know, w- when I talk to our police and, you know, they, they have said to me very clearly that marijuana is not the same as it was in the past where it was a leaf and you grew it. I mean, this, this stuff is synthetic. It stays in your system a long period of time. There's, you know, some of them call it a, a gateway. Um, and so as, as I've studied this issue and I've really tried to be thoughtful about it, you know, my current position is that, you know, I, w- I would not be for the legalization of marijuana. Uh, and, um, you know, I think there's some you know, debate we can have on medical marijuana, you know, for that, you know, for that type of thing. But also, this is the issue of the General Assembly. And so sometimes, you know, I try to be clear, there is separation of powers here. There's certain things I can control, certain things that I can't. So it's going to be an interesting discuss- to watch the General Assembly discuss this as well. All right. So what's your game plan for the next, few, for the next couple months? Well, uh, part, like part, I said, part, we're going to be your family Christmas presents. <laughs> we're we're going to be uh, traveling a lot in the next ten days, uh, and then we're going to take a l- little bit of a break. I'm going to try to get some sleep, Abdul, uh, <laughs> because the the, the 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 four months following will just be you know very quick, and and it will be you know a lot of fast paced you know time to meet with people and and uh, you know a lot of I'm sure there'll be some debates coming up. So that's it's going to be a really fast four months, and we're looking forward to it. All right. Eric Doden, a Republican candidate for governor. Eric, my friend, thank you very much. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all those other holidays yeah, in Merry between. Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to you, too, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.